latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something, where myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, have continued to whip ourselves into punishment in the world of wrestling entertainment by watching all the matches that we can find that Dave Meltzer of the, five, of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. Uh, we continue on our Festival of Pain through to the uh, G1 Climax of 2019, the I think the tournament with the most individual five-star matches ever for one event or tour. Simon, what are we covering today? Oh, we are taking on the beefy match between... Stop being disgusting. Oh, oh fine. <laughs> between Tetsuya Naito and... Shingo Takagi. Los Ingobernables de Japón. Whatever Spanish for explode is. Le explode. That's not accurate. Le explode. <laughs> That's more French. I can tell he's actually going to look it up. So, um, yes, it's um, portrayed um, very much by the commentators during the entrances as... Um, Sort of like a challenge, not a challenge for the leadership, but a challenge to see who the top dog is. Because in previous encounters, they've had throughout the various promotions, they've both been in well, simultaneously. Well, they each other in, um, in the ring. Mm. That's what they're saying. It's all been before they even started wrestling. That they were essentially so- rolled together, as it were, in like a, a jujitsu camp or something, but it was for amateur wrestling. As, ah. the, uh, as we witness. Una exploton los ingobernables de Japón. Hey, his Google foo is on fire. <laughs> en fuego. What's that mean? <laughs> Piss off. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is a this is a uh, internal battle, just like we had before with the chaos match between Osprey and Okada. Uh, and similarly, it's the top heavyweights against the top junior of their groups. Although I think Takagi essentially has um, foregone junior status from this point onwards. Really, with this G, oh, he's a beefy boy in this. Well, like match, I said isn't... previously, when Moxley wrestled him uh, in his post-match interview, he was like, "The hell that guy's a junior heavyweight." Yeah, <laughs> that lying to me. There really doesn't seem to be much of an appreciable difference in in size between the two. Except maybe Naito's at most two inches taller than Takagi. At most. And leaner. A lot leaner. Well, that's the funny thing. He might weigh as much as Takagi, if not less. But Uh, Takagi's got that whip, that girth. Oh, he's a beefy lad. So, yeah, Chris Charlton essentially gives a, a, a brief history that they both were hoping to become amateur wrestlers. When they were growing up, they went down different paths of just their bait, their main martial art training, where Takagi was more amateur wrestling like Animal Hamaguchi, where they met at his dojo, essentially. Whereas Naito was a judoka. Um, which I believe used to be the case. I don't know if it still is. That it was like mandatory for Japanese 
at least Japanese boys to learn judo up to the age of like 16 or something crazy like that. Oh, I'm cool. mixing that up with the Welsh language for Welsh kids, but you know, there's something in this. Because <laughs> they're very similar things, aren't they? Well, you know, it's just it's part of identity. They, they both like dragons. You're clutching. Something like that. <laughs> but yeah, they they get the breakdown. And Naito's sort of got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because, uh, as Chris says, um, whenever they did meet in training camp, uh, Shingo always seemed to have the advantage on him, seemed to, seemed to beat him. But when they... Uh, obviously, now Naito is the head honcho in um, Ally J. To, spen- to the Spanish theme. There you go. And obviously, uh, I think Shingo's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And Naito's got... They've both got chips on their shoulders. Mm. And it's... We see Naito at, like, peak Naito here, I think. Like... Um, I think he holds it back a little, personally. Uh, If you compare it to how he's, like, with Omega, you know, he only spits on Takagi once in this match. Twice. Twice, I apologise. Yeah. Um... It's the body language. What but it's the him, difference? What is? It's funny that it's definitely heated. There's not. It's as close as it gets to being intense without there being outright hatred involved. Um, yeah. And it's funny, like Naito plays the head games, and Takagi plays the physical game. Like the first yeah. portion of the match is Naito controlling the pace and keeping Takagi just about at arm's length. And staying in his head, like he gets to Takagi. When he does the fake out into the tranquilo pose at one point, Takagi responds by throwing a chair at him. <laughs> and Naito just picking up that chair and actually sitting on it. It's just mm. beautiful. It's but, just like, tranquilo. But it's like, Naito knows that he's not. he's at a physical disadvantage, that he will be overpowered and beaten mm. up by Takagi and that is what happens in the second portion of the match uh, but if he can stay in his head and he can keep quickening the pace when he has to he can hopefully get a win out Yeah, um, but he does frustrate just... Takagi for the start yeah he's got to outfox him out get him off of his balance mm. is what he's trying to do but he's definitely playing more mind games than like Will Ospreay was doing when he was trying to beat uh, Takagi with speed. Yeah. Maybe oh, because def- Naito's not as fast as Osprey, so, you know. <laughs> Is anyone mm-hmm. in the world? Maybe Ricochet. Um, I like the fact that I, I can't remember seeing Naito do a crucifix lock before, but he does break it out in this match, and I think that's part of his grand plan to try and just slow the yeah. pace down just well, just that's the funny thing like zone. at the start he does but then when takagi starts to control it himself then night because they're like well we've gone through the mat work portion so we are going for a win and i need to now i've got to use my quickness to get you i suppose he was keeping it slow because he was staying in control mentally but then when takagi broke that by just beating him up he was like okay i've, I've got to try and just be quick and get my hits in when i can yeah, because he's Takagi's got a lot brutal. of special moves, hasn't Takagi? He's got a lot of specials. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Like um, he's got like what the Dragon Spirit elbow. He's got No Shigami. He's got the like, pumping bomber. Like they they well, I wonder built. if that's more just because these are new to you. They feel more like trademark moves. Like Naito's got tons as well. Like it's the, just like, it's like more, the corner it's, it's sequence the way... that he fakes that he misses once. Like Takagi's able to evade it once, and then the second time Takagi's ready to block, but Naito knows he's going to block, so he lands on his feet and then drop kicks him to finish. The I wouldn't sequence. say. He... It's more than new to me. I think it's the way the commentators put them over mm. uh, that made me think they're a lot more like special than like Naito's uh, go-to maneuvers. Um, it's more a case of like the way the way they shout, obviously, like No Shigami or Jumping Bomber. They're really excited to see it. Maybe it's because they're trying to put over Shingo as the hot new thing who has just gone into the heavyweight rank. Mm. So, I mean, that's where we are with that basically we're we're at the point i think where they are trying to push him mm. i think it's him and sonada that are the emerging talents and i oh, think and shingo got... you just haven't seen any evil i either. haven't seen any evil no but i think shingo's um got the they're gonna try and like amp him up the most sonada's mm. like a slow burner mm. evil unknown variable to me well but... i think it's also because takagi's only just debuted and they're trying to push him hard quick but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get up to the top of the ranks at all, necessarily. They mm. might sit, like kind of see where he is now as kind of where he's going to stay. Because he's in his late 30s, I think, at this point. Okay. He's definitely in his mid-30s. Young. Yeah. But well, he's in good nick. Mm. Um, well, I don't know his injury record, but he looks in good nick. He doesn't seem to be moving around with any like, sort of trouble or pain or anything like that. But yeah, this is intent like there's this is nastier than the Okada Osprey match. The um, kind of fitting because I guess the Los Ingobernables are still at the very least like a tweener faction, if not outright yeah. heels. Yeah. When, when Takagi takes him to the outside, he whips him very viciously into the barricade several times. And like I said, after, uh, Naito does spit on Takagi a couple yeah. of times as well. And it's the way uh, Takagi speaks to the cameraman as he's about to do it. He just really wants to get it done very quickly. He's like, get out of my way. I'm going to hurt this dude. Yeah, they don't hold back. They hit some big, big moves on each other. Um, uh, and yeah, like like uh, an example of that being when Takagi just drops Naito on the top rope with a front suplex, like going after his stomach, uh, follows it up with some elbows, uh, sliding lariats, all sorts of stuff. Um, then, like I said, he's like he's starting to hit him with power moves. So then, when Naito gets a uh, gets back into it, it's by ducking a series of really hard swinging clotheslines and getting a tornado DDT in super quick. And then going for the flying forearm, and also at that point he starts trying to find Destinos, like sprinting yeah. Destinos, which I guess is his version of a short rainmaker. He just wants it done at this yeah. point. Like he's he's, he's lost the mental advantage as you pointed out and he's just like right gotta get him out of here so there's a crazy sequence uh like this like oh one of the nastiest moves as well especially knowing how battered naito's body is just physically is when ta- uh takagi does a, a wheelbarrow suplex into the, <laughs> the whiplash oh he crumples on he crumples like paper what do you think of all those moves that like send them into the into the court like famously it basically ended the career of sting for all intents and purposes almost mid-match when yeah. Seth rollins did it to him uh 
Because it's I mean, hard, but... you know, it's hard for you to control yourself. It's it's fairly yeah. recent phenomenon. The first time I can remember seeing it was Kenta Kabashi's power bomb into the corner that he would do. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, like buckle bombs are always like a hiding to and nothing. Suplexes into the corner, which essentially just prevents someone bumping properly. Yeah, like Sammy it's does like, explode into the corners, yeah. Sammy's aim. Um, gets their legs caught up in the ropes, and it means their back's got to absorb. So that really is just something for, like, if you know the mechanics of wrestling and you know what a, a safe bump is, it's them going, look, we're doing an unsafe bump. Yeah, oh, we're, we're taking it further. Um, I, do I, brought, I, I don't know if you know it, but it's the hardest part of the ring. Oh, God. Uh, I would rather be thrown into a New Japan turnbuckle than a WWE one because they've got they've that got the padding. Full, full padding yeah, yeah. as opposed to the individual buckles which just in front of a small bit of metal yeah now if that wheelbarrow suplex had been to one of those it could have been far worse mm. yeah yeah because you would have serious whip like you could have his neck could have snapped off the cord behind it or something yeah. or even worst case scenario maybe almost hit the ring post but uh, at then, the end of the day, it's it's their decision to do moves like that, isn't mm, it? So, mm. and and Takagi you... follows up with a with a really nasty lariat into the corner. Uh, I mean, some of Takagi's lariats are incredible. Um, and then he starts setting him up for a Death Valley driver or a Last of the Dragon, maybe off the second rope. Naito fights off desperately, goes for his top rope Rana. And I think this is a similar spot in the Michael Elgin match, wasn't it? Where Takagi just blocks him, just holds yeah. on. And uh, Naito picks just, him up like... to go for the powerbomb. And then Naito's able to, like the Omega match, turn it into a Rana again. It just shows the experience. Like, it's a great way of highlighting uh, Naito's experience whilst also highlighting Takagi's power. It's a great way of getting both guys over in like a little mini spot. And what does Naito do then, Simon? Um, he does your favourite move. Everyone's favourite move. Poison Rana time. Reverse Rana. See, the fact that you won't give it its, like, you know, cool name shows you how much you hate it. <laughs> and uh, then he goes for a sprinting Destino, but fortunately Naito only, uh, Takagi had only taken a reverse Rana, so he was able to <laughs> reverse the very next move that Naito did to him and hit him with a lariat. <laughs> And then, like, he starts throwing those, like, uh, pumping bombers, but, like, very, like, snap ones, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, he follows up with the lariat. A Saito suplex, we see quite a few of those in this match. Uh, he goes for another lariat, but a Naito captures the arm and turns into a full Nelson into a dragon suplex. Again, shades of, you know, his past self when he was going to inherit the mantle of Tanahashi, inheriting the mantle of, you know, again, like, following the chain of people who inherit that move. That's a Tanahashi move that was a Fujinami move, you know? Yeah. Well, Fujinami was the dragon, had the dragon sleeper as well, didn't he? So. Uh, he hits another Enziguri and then goes for another flying forearm, but uh, Takagi catches him and hits him with his Made in Japan finisher, which is an awkward... I don't quite know how to f- explain it. It's like a it's like a, a fireman's carry... I guess it's like a sit-out fireman's carry bomb. But his leg, one of his legs sort of follows you down into a leg drop as well. It's The, the positioning of the legs always confuses me. Yeah. When Takagi does it. It looks cool. Like, it's a really cool looking finisher. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin actually like doing it. Or like anything like that. It's, it's quite intricate. It leaves quite an awkward position for the pin afterwards. You know, it's, it's yeah. quite reminiscent in a way of um, 
how how you left after um it's kind of reminiscent of the one winged angel actually with the positioning at the end of the move uh, now, if someone were reading my handwriting that wasn't me, they would think that the next move that um, Takagi hits is called the Dumping Bomber. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've done a few of those in your time, Sai, after a particular... Uh, uh, maybe maybe a, what was the steak you were just talking about before recording in, when you went to Houston? Uh, Dallas. Dallas, sorry. Always pin me in like different Texan cities. Mm. Um, what was yeah, the well, time yeah. like in San Antonio? <laughs> Do you know the way to Amarillo? No. I. But, um, no, there are pumping bombers, to give them their proper name. Pumping is obviously something you usually have to do after one of Lorcan's dumping bombers. Essentially, it's like a long, like, he does almost a double sprint. Like, he starts in one corner, runs one end of the ring, runs into the ropes on the other end, and then hits a lariat. So, obviously, it inherits it from Hulk Hogan's Japan finisher of the Axe Bomber, which is just a lariat, essentially. Right, but he just—it's a bigger build-up, essentially. Kind of like Kenny's V trigger when they're in the ropes. Yeah, like low down in the ropes, he's, he goes all the way across and all the way back. I guess, yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, he goes for the last of the dragon again, but Naito is able to turn that into Destino. But, but not a full Destino. No, like no, that's, that's the key. It's like how you don't get the ripcord until yeah. until you get the ripcord, you're not getting full Rainmaker. Um, so the, again, it's classic New Japan on your knees, both going for forearms and headbutts and building yourself back up. That's when Naito spits again and starts hitting forearms. Um, Takagi's like staggering Naito in the forearm off, so it's obvious that he's still got the power advantage. Yeah, um, and that's so, why Naito goes for the palm strike yeah, to sort of catch him off guard. The surprise palm strike. But then Takagi hits his headbutt, that sort of uppercut headbutt that hits the chin. Oh. It goes for a brain buster, but Naito reverses it into a brain buster of his own. Goes for the Destino again, but Takagi escapes and hits a lariat. Last of the dragon attempt again, but this time Naito hits a Canadian destroyer. Flexible bastard that, nice, that is. A little bit of a little bit of variety. I can't remember if Naito's done that before in the past. I, I can't remember seeing one. He might have done it to Algin, maybe. I might be misremembering that. Uh, running Destino gets a long two count. Gets him back up and gets the full Destino with the arm ringer. Just at the 27 minute mark. And that's enough for the three. Whew. So quite an, a contest. Um, Simon, does it get five stars from you? Not quite. Same not here. I'm quite. not quite. I think it went too long. Ah, yes, I had the same criticism, actually. Uh, Not criticism, but... Like, Kagi's hitting all of his big moves, but then there's another, like, you know, he's hitting his Last of the Dragons and his Pumping Bombers, but then it goes on for another three or four minutes after that. Yeah, I I agree in terms of length of time as well. I'd have said three to five minutes, you could have easily shaved off of this, and Mm. you'd been fine. Possibly would have been better. Still very good. Um, definitely make sure very to see good. more of those two if you can. The... You might not. You might. We might never see this match again for all we know because stable mates very rarely will face off against each other unless they're in the same block as the G1 Climax or maybe drawn against each other in the New Japan Cup. Mm. Hopefully we do because um, I think there is a dynamic there that they told within the match and I think they told that story very well. As I say, I think they just had too much time to tell it 
But I really love Naito's body language in this match. And mm. Shingo is... I thought it told a good story. It's hard story. for me to work out. Like, I don't know whether I like him or not yet. Mm. I think he might have actually told a better story of just personalities clashing than the Okada Osprey match. Yeah. But I found the Okada Osprey match more sort of jaw-dropping in its spectacle. So where, where it had better aspects to the Osprey Okada match, it, it was like where it was better than the other one, it was also worse in, in different ways. You know, yeah. so both extremely good matches, but both I wouldn't quite go five stars on. Yeah, no. Um, I think, yeah, you're right from storytelling this from in-ring athleticism, Okada Osprey. Yeah. But I I think Naito would, is the best person to go against if you're like using a, um, doing a story like this. Okada yeah. and Osprey's sort of personalities don't clash enough, I don't feel to tell that story, but I feel you could tell it here, mm. just from what I saw. Mm. I mean, I don't know promo-wise, but... Uh, I don't have anything left to add about this. Um, I think they both did a fantastic job, um, and I would like to see more of it in the future. I concur. I, I, where, I, where a lot of these G1 matches can very much just be sort of a sporting event, this felt like something a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't just for two points, and they made that clear from the outset, and that's why it had a really good flow to it. Mm. Uh, Simon, do you have anything else further you'd like to add to this? No. No, I think I've summed it up quite succinctly. So one of these people will be staying on for our next five-star match as the G1 Climax continues. Who will it be, Simon, and who will they be facing this time? It will be Shingo Takagi. We're going to see more of him against one of my bays, Tamahiro Ishii. Stone Pitbull versus the Dragon. This will be a hoss battle, I think it's fair to say. A sub-six-foot hoss battle. Yes. Well, maybe more like a mule battle, but, you know, fucking hard beat mules. <laughs> uh, if you like want to get in touch with two you, Atlas so... Stones crash into each other. Sorry. If people want to get in touch with you ahead of time, Simon, to talk about anything related to this, how can they do so? Uh, they or can get in touch. They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the free hour erection I had before watching Ooh. the next match. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for ain't no reason for me to have to hear that. And N for hey! no information along those lines required in the future. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterboxd.com at gmail.com. At the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. But there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. We sail miles apart. I gave you tomorrow's useless broken try to make our world.